you have your copy of God's Word, turn to the book of 1 Samuel chapter 17. 1 Samuel chapter 17. Do you know what it is to experience the mountaintop moments when God just draws you into his presence and God just begins to pour out upon you his lavish grace? He starts to express to you one more time and afresh and anew what the blood of Christ actually does for you, does in you. God starts to disturb people's hearts. God starts to stir other people's hearts. But he draws you to that place. And sometimes it's in a corporate meeting like this and we call it church and God shows up in a supernatural natural abundant way and we get excited about Jesus and we know what those mountain peaks are like sometimes you're not on a church service per se but you're by yourself and you're alone with the father and he begins to speak inside your soul and he begins to stir inside your life and maybe he shows you a new truth from scripture that you've been struggling with maybe he imparts something to you that just releases you maybe he gives you a deliverance I don't know what it is but sometimes God just takes you and he lifts you high he lifts you to a mountain whereby you know his pleasure you know his joy you know his goodness and then sometimes we find ourselves in the pit of a valley and a valley is where most of us spend most of our lives and valleys are not always bad understand that sometimes valleys are deep and they're wide But if it weren't for those mountaintop moments of refreshing and rejuvenating from God, the valleys would be so much more challenging. I was home yesterday. I got a text from a friend that says, pray for Dana. She fell. She fell and she's unconscious. She has a brain bleed. It doesn't look good. This morning at 630, I text. I said, how's Dana? No change. It doesn't look good. Dana's a retired school teacher. Her husband's a retired pastor, about 62 years old. They have gone in their retirement into the Middle East, into a country. I cannot even tell you their name of the country because they're not supposed to be ministering there. I know the the husband is counseling 15 Muslim men pointing them to the Lord Jesus Christ and while they were in the states they say think she may have had a stroke but do you think this family is in a valley at this moment right now because not only is their blessed mother the one that they love the wife and concern but all of a sudden you look at an entire ministry that's impacting a nation do you think there's a valley moment that they're going through My dad received a call. My second cousin apparently took his life last night or two, and it's a very vile way to do that. But do you think that that family, I do not even know my cousin's name, his second cousin, but do you think this family immediately is going through a a, a valley moment right now? And what's transpiring inside their heart, the hurt, the pain that is experiencing? You see, see, we can go from from mountain peaks to, 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 to valleys deep just like that right it just takes a phone call it just takes a doctor's visit it just takes that moment and that same doctor who tells you cancer it's inoperable he can be that same doctor that says i don't know what happened to it but it's no longer there somebody's done something that i can't do and all of a sudden you're propelled to the heights of the mountains of glory 
How do you handle valley moments of life? Look at what the scripture says in 1 Samuel chapter 17, beginning with verse 1. Now the Philistines gathered together their armies to battle. And were gathered together at Shoko, which belongeth to Judah, and pitched between Shoko and Azek and Ephesadami. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together and pitched by the valley of Elah and set to battle in array against the Philistines. And the Philistines stood on the mountain on the one side and Israel stood on a mountain on the other side. And there was a valley between them. Now look in your Bible to 1 Kings chapter 20. Verse 23. And the servants of the king of Syria said unto him, Their gods... Are gods of the hills. Therefore they are stronger than we. But let us fight against them in the plain. And surely we shall be stronger than they. Verse 28. And there came a man of God and spake unto the king of Israel and said, Thus says the Lord, because the Syrians have said the Lord is the God of the hills, but he is not God of the valleys. Therefore... I will deliver all this great multitude into thine hand, and will ye shall know that I am the Lord. Heavenly Father, we come here today for the sole purpose to exalt you, to praise you, to magnify you as our God and King. And God, I pray right now you'd move with your Holy Ghost and you'd stir in lives, you'd quicken hearts, you'd begin to stir and you'd begin to disturb, Father. That we would stand before you right now and we'd respond to you, yes or no. We'd respond to you by receiving your will, your word, or by rejecting it, God. But let it be known this day where we stand. And God, I pray, Father, for those who are facing valley moments in life. I pray you give them words of hope, words of encouragement, words of strength. And God, I pray that you speak to us, God, through your word. In Jesus' name we ask these things. Amen and amen. You've come here today and some of you come here. You've made yourself get up. You've made yourself get dressed. You've made yourself drive down here because you're in a valley moment of life. You're going through a difficulty in life. You've been diagnosed by the doctor. You've been a prodigal son or some daughter that's taken place inside of your family. And all of a sudden you find yourself. You're in a valley that's very deep. And you're saying, what do I do in this moment, Lord? How do I deal with these valley experiences of life? How do I find the hope? How do I find relief? What's the purpose, God, of me going on? But let me tell you what the Bible says. The Bible shows us there's at least three different types of valleys that you and I will experience as we live in life. And the first valley that we will experience is the valley of danger. In Psalm chapter 23 and verse 4, it says that the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me lie down in green pastures. He, he leadeth me beside the still water. I can't quote just the verse 4 without going through the first four. You understand that, don't you? And even though I walked the valley of the shadow of death. Thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they count for me. And some people, you've come here today and you found yourself in the very valley of danger. But I want to tell you something. We've got a good shepherd. We've got a good shepherd who knows the way. We've got a good shepherd who's walked the path. We've got a good shepherd who knows the way that we're going. And he's there before us to guide us and to direct us and to show us how. He takes his staff and he takes his rod and he leads us on. 
He takes his staff and he takes his rod and he makes provision for us. He gives comfort to us. We've got a good shepherd if we'll follow him. He said, I will show you the way. When valleys get low, I know how low they go. When the crevices are deep, I know right where they are. When the rocks are jagged, I know where to put my foot. And you as a child of God, you've got the responsibility of following your shepherd. Why? Because we have valleys that are valleys of danger. But we've got a good shepherd. And we've got a good shepherd who cares for you. And most of the issues that God's children have is, is we have an inadequate view of who our holy God is. We have an inadequate view, an improper view, an imbalanced view of what God is and who he is. He cares for us. He does not disown us. He does not cast us aside. He cares for our soul. And he looks to us and says, I'm your good shepherd. I give you hope. He's God in the valleys, just like he's God on the mountaintops. And we may not feel the goosebumps down in the valleys, but that doesn't change who God is. That doesn't change our holy heavenly father who loves us so much. He gave a son on Calvary to die for us. That doesn't change the blood, my friends, that was shed for you and me. That doesn't change the fact, my friend, that yes, I'm a sinner, but God has saved me and he is going to sustain me. Hear me. He's God on the mountains, but he's also God in the valley. Aren't you glad he's God on the valleys? Because sometimes we live in valleys longer than we experience mountaintops. Because that's just how life goes, is it not? There's a valley of danger that we all find ourselves walking around and walking through at times. There's also a valley of despair. You look at Psalm 84 and verse 6. You'll find it there. Scripture says in Job 14, 1, it says, Man is born of woman and few of days full of troubles. You ever had any difficulties in life? You ever had any hard days in life? You ever found life being so difficult you didn't know how to go on? You didn't think you even wanted to go on? But hear me, we all have problems. We all have trials. We all have I have pests that get under our skin. But here he goes. I'm going to take you through the valleys of despair. I'm going to take you through the valleys of difficulties. I'm going to take you through the valleys of danger. Why? Because it was the valley of Baca. That valley of Baca there in Psalm 86, 84, verse 6. It means the valley of sorrow, of mourning, of grief. But hear me. You pass through the valley. That's a good place to say amen. You don't stay there. We're passing through. Now, I know we like the idea of permanency. We want to plant our roots deep, and we want to abide here long, and we want to stay. But hear me, in life, we are pilgrims passing through. We have a heavenly home we are going through because this place is not our home. This place is not where we're supposed to abide forever. We've got a heavenly home in glory where God says, you're passing through. Keep on walking, my friends. Keep on following the good shepherd. Keep on walking close, abiding in the word of God. We are passing through. And I know the difficulty. Sometimes we know all the difficulty. I face loss in this valley. I face loss of a child. I face loss of a marriage. I face loss of a friendship. I face loss of a relationship. I face loss of an opportunity. But hear me, the holy God that we serve and love, Jesus Christ, he's a good shepherd. And he says, I will see you through. You're not staying there. You're passing through. That's a good word. You have valleys that we go through in life. We have valleys, my friends, of danger. We have valleys of difficulty. And on a Sunday morning, some of you, you've come here weeping tears because all the night long, you've poured your heart out to God. The pain is so intense. Hear me, you're just passing through. And yes, we're shedding tears. And yes, that's all right. But hear me, we're passing through. There's a better day. There's a better place. And God is working on our behalf. 
And then you look to Hosea chapter 2 and verse 15. You find the valley of distress because you find the valley of Achor. You understand Achor? That goes back to when Joshua was going into the promised land. And Achan, he decided he would take that Babylonian garment. He would take the gold and the silver. He would hide it in his tent. When God had put a ban on it, everything was to be burned up, consumed as a first fruit sacrifice unto the living God. He took what wasn't his. And he hid it. I always get amazed at that story. You're living in Israel and you kept a Babylonian garment. When are you going to wear that thing? When, when are you going to wear it? And all of a sudden, God's people got beat by a country, a nation smaller than them. Just a handful. And God told Joshua, you have sin in the camp. How's that work for a church, guys? Do you think God can bless a church that's got willful sin going on? Tolerated sin going on because there's some last name attached to that person? What's that do to the church? It compromises us and God pulls his hand back. He says there's sin in the camp. And all of a sudden Achan gets exposed and he makes honest confession and he gets what? Judgment. Sin brings judgment. And he was destroyed. His wife was destroyed. His kids was destroyed. Everything they had was destroyed. Well, God doesn't act that way now, does he? Does he? We have a God of judgment. And God loves sinners. But he judges. And there is a judgment that we should flee from and we should fear. And when we find ourselves walking in this valley, where, where, where it's a valley uh, of acorn, where we're saying, Lord, that means restlessness, that means disturbance, that means trouble. When life starts to overwhelm you, whatever has transpired, you start saying, God, what's going on inside? God, have I sinned? That's where we start. God, have I sinned? And if he shows you, make honest confession of that sin unto the Father. Make restitution if applicable. Boy, we don't know about that, do we? Restitution. Yeah, that means give money or whatever to the person you have offended or wronged. When we were in Tennessee, I borrowed my neighbor's. He was a member of the church. I borrowed his. What did I borrow? What's that pressure washer thingy? And we had a two-story house. And I had a 15-foot-long one. And the pressure washer hose got under the pressure washer. And it just gnarled it all to pieces. So I taped it up real good, made it look good. And I bought him a new hose. So now he could use the one that I had mangled up. And he had another one when that one went erupt. See, that's restitution. That's a simple concept. But we live in a time where it's like, what? restitution and that's why people don't get free in Jesus Christ because they don't deal with their sin they don't deal with what they can deal with 
But you find this valley we go through here, we go through this valley of acor. We go through this valley of disturbance. We go through life when things are overwhelming. And we're saying, God, I don't know if I can handle it. But God, he's a good shepherd. That's what you've got to keep understanding. He cares for your soul. And you know what the Word of God tells us about my Heavenly Father and about your Heavenly Father? He says, I will never leave you. And you may feel like there's times that you've been abandoned. And you may feel like there's times that you've been forsaken. But the Word of God tells us, I will never leave you. I will not let you go. I have secured you in the hollow of my head. And I will not let you go. Rebel as you may want to. You're my child. He is a good heavenly father. He is a good shepherd. And he's with us to the end. So, so, so in life, you're going to face valley experiences. You're going to face valley moments. You're going to face times and trials when you can't make sense of it. But what's the significance of valleys? Now, if you go back to Samuel, you'll find the first thing that you realize that the children of Israel was facing the enemy. And they were facing them. There was a valley in between them. Goliath and the Philistines were on one side. And Israel and, and Saul were on the other side. And a valley lay between them. The valley of Eli. It is a battlefield. Sure, and I've been to this valley of Elah. I've got 12 stones in my study that I dug out of the brook of the valley of Elah. And when I came through customs, they pulled me out because my luggage was funny. And they pulled out rocks. And they're going, what's that? I said, that's rocks. And they let me go. But they're precious to me. Not because of what they are, but where they came from. And what they represent, because you see, so the significance of valleys is, is, is see, the valleys provides a battlefield. If you think you're going to get through life without having any battles, you are just kidding yourself. If you think you're going to be able to serve the Lord Jesus Christ without having any battles, you just kid yourself. It tells us in the book of Ephesians chapter 6 that we are to be battle-dressed. We are to be battle-ready. We'll be prepared for the fight. And there will be a fight when you stand on the Word of God and you stand for the truth of God. There will be opposition. There are people who don't understand that the great people don't even like you and i know you can't say well i just got to be liked by everybody then you'll never be worth nothing for the kingdom of god hear me the battlefield is there in the valley and in the valley battles are won or battles are lost right they're won or they're lost. Now, guys, whether you have picked up on it by now or not, I've been here for six months preaching. lived here since April. I can't do the math right off the top of my head. I preach absolute surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's it. If he's not Lord, you ain't going to like and you're not going to get the Word of God. Absolute surrender. When the Japanese general was on the battleship at the end of World War II, he stood there in his dress military outfit. Was it MacArthur? Didn't take his signature until he gave him his sword. See, guys, absolute surrender. That's why you can't come to Jesus hanging on to your sin. You can't come to Jesus and, oh, I'm just going to keep part of it. Here's the issue. As long as I can do certain things, I will. 
And all it is is my flesh parading itself. And God calls for absolute surrender when we yield ourselves. And see, what happens at the battlefield is either going to be victory or it's going to be defeat. But that's why God allows battlefields. He allows battles into our life. He allows valleys into our life. And I'm just sitting there to tell you, don't quit, my friends. Don't stop. You surrender to the good shepherd and he is going to secure you, seal you. He will see you through. You surrender to the good shepherd. And I don't care what's going on inside your marriage. And I don't care what's going on with your kids. I don't care what's going on with your finances, what's going on in your mind. Don't stop on Jesus. Why? Because he is a good shepherd. The valley provides a battlefield. The valley in this battlefield, look what it says in 1 Samuel chapter 17 and verse 40. Look what it says. And he took his staff in his hand and he chose him five smooth stones out of the brook. Man, I wish I'd brought one of them rocks in here. They're as smooth and as slick as you can imagine. And he put them in a shepherd's bag, which he had even in a script, and his sling was in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistines. The valley provides a brook. Don't miss that. We get caught up in the stone. It provides a watering hole. What are you looking for? You're needing refreshment. You're needing restoration. You're needing your soul rejuvenated in the valley. God says, it might be bleak and low, but there's a brook there. There's a watering hole there. His name is Jesus Christ. He's the living water. And you can go to him and you can drink deeply of him. And he will sustain you. He will encourage you. He will satisfy your soul. There's a brook in the valley. We get so busy, we don't look for the watering hole. He said, I give you the water, I give you the refreshment. He gives you a place where you can go to this watering hole and you can get your stuff together. And most of the time, we need to get our stuff together so we can lay it back down at the feet of Jesus. He gives you a watering hole so you can come and you can quench your thirst and you can get satisfaction for your soul. He said, I give you a watering hole. I give you that source to refresh you. Preacher, you ever need a brook? Absolutely, I need a brook. I need the living water of God to flow in my life. I need it to sustain me, to secure me, to hope me in on on in glory. Because I get thirsty and I get tired and I get weary just like you do. There is a brook. And in that brook, you might find your weapon. Did you hear me? The weapon's the same. It's a rock. Woo! Get that, guys. Connect the dots. It's a rock. The rock of ages. He goes down and he, he finds him five rocks. Smooth, it says. Where did he come from? Well, preacher, I believe angels just fluttered by and dropped those rocks right when David needed them. Well, you can believe that nonsense if you want to. Maybe, maybe when, when Noah was building the ark, and maybe when the ark got finished thousands of years earlier, God started shaking the place with thunder and lightning and rain started falling. Maybe, just maybe, a lightning bolt hit that, hit that mountainside and that big boulder that was on that mountainside. It got struck by lightning and it started rolling down that hillside. And as it rolled down that hillside, those rocks started falling off and they were jagged and they were rough. And all of a sudden, here you got at least five of them went down into a brook. And for the last thousands of thousands of years, they've been sitting there waiting, getting prepared, letting God smooth them down so that they will fly straight and right. Maybe that's how it happened. That's how I like to think it happened. 
I like it and think it happened where God, before I even needed it, He had already provided what I was going to need. Before I even showed up for church today, He prepared what was going to be needed to take place in your heart and your soul. See, 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 He has a way of doing that, doesn't He? Remember the widow of Nain? She had that little boy that died. It says, Jesus, he'd been in Capernaum. That's 25 miles away. He's already left and he's heading for Nain. And the boy's not even dead yet. Why? Because God knows what's on your agenda. And God knows what's coming in your life. And he doesn't come up late. And he doesn't come up short. He's always right on time. And he sends what you need just in that time of need. And so he put these rocks down in that creek bed. And for thousands of years, water have run over them and it has smoothed them down whereby they will fly straight when they are thrown from that sling. And he picked up five. Well, why do you need five? Preacher Goliath had four brothers. And David's like the rest of us. He knew he could miss. And he might need more than one. But see, here's what it is. In the valley, there's a watering hole. There's a place of refreshment. In the valley, not only do you find that water, but you find, you find the, 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 the weapon that you need, the, the solid rock. Isn't it amazing how God uses small, insignificant things? That's me. You understand that, don't you? That's you. We're all insignificant. He, he doesn't need us, but he has chosen to use us. And he, he allows us to go through times in life. He allows us in the valley moments of life whereby the battle will be won or lost. And whereby we can find in the valley, we can find a watering hole for refreshment. We can find the weapons of our warfare. And when David, he stood up with, with, that, with that stone and that sling and he faced that Goliath who was as tall as a telephone pole. He, he did not just sit back and run from him. He ran to him. And he slung that stone. And I think this big old giant of a human being was scoffing and cussing under his breath at this little old shepherd boy coming at me with a slingshot. And then he quit scoffing, didn't he? <laughs> I think he's going, what? And I think he's done. Guys, it all happened in a valley. You understand for 40 days they've been camped at this valley. How long have you been at your valley? How long has it been going on? For 40 days, two times a day, Goliath would come out and he would defy the God of Israel. He'd say, send me whoever you want. Best man wins. Every morning, every evening, and nobody in Israel's camp, not even the king who stood head and shoulders above everybody else who should have been out there on the battlefield doing this, he would not even go forth. But see, David hadn't got there yet. The little shepherd boy, the insignificant one who was there to bring them lunch, he hadn't shown up yet. And when he heard them define the Lord his God, the name of his Savior, his king, he said, I'm done. I'll go out there. I will fight this uncircumcised Philistine in the name of my God. And then... Saul trying to tell him how to do it. Don't you, don't you love that? People who don't do it try to tell you how to do it. Don't they just wear you thin? And we're polite and we smile. And inside ourselves we're saying, you stupid idiot. Why ain't you doing it yourself if you ain't, you know, never mind. I'm going on a tangent. See, see, don't tell people how to do what you ain't doing. Do it! He tried to put him in his armor. He tried to give him his sword. And he said, this stuff don't fit me. You know, we're each unique. At this point, I'm in a 46 regular jacket. I had been up to a 52. <laughs> Is that past tense or present tense, right? <laughs> I 
See, 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 see. And so, so, so what fits me is not going to fit you. Right? So you take what God has fit for you and you use that for his glory. And she said, I don't know this sword. I don't know this armor. I can't even move. I have not proved it. So I'm going with what I know. I'm going with a slingshot. I'm going with a sling and a rock. Why? Because I was faithful to God and God allowed me to kill a bear and God allowed me to kill a lion. And hear me, before you go after a giant, you better kill a bear and you better kill a lion in your faithfulness to God. And nobody knew that because he was out in the pasture by himself. He didn't go back home and say, look what I got. He just did what God put in front of him to do without anybody saying, good boy. He did it and now he's facing Goliath. Why? Because in a valley moment of life for 40 days when David shows up, he hears what the guy Goliath is saying and he stands up and he says, I'll go. See, here's what happens in a valley. There's three blessings. There's a blessing of parting. Look at verse 17, verse 3. And the Philistines stood on the mountain on one side, and Israel stood on the mountain on the other side, and there was a valley between them. You will find out whose side you're on in valley moments like this. And everybody will know whose side you're on in valley moments like this. We can't talk out of both sides of our mouth and stand for Jesus. So when the pressure gets on, the valley gets deep, the jaggedness of the rocks is everywhere, you're going to prove whose side you're on. Because you're either going to be for him or you are going to be against him. So you see, people who like sin and the sermon at the same time, they confuse me. Right? And there's a lot of them. Bless God, preacher, that was great. And they go out and it's confusing. And so God allows the valley. See, there's the blessing of protection. See, 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 they were in an open field. And God gave divine protection. And just at the right time, God sent down the victory through one young man sold out to the kingdom, sold out to the glory of it. God gives protection. Have you ever figured it yet? Sometimes God's protection comes in strange ways. And we don't even understand protection. Well, how many... The children of Israel, when they went into Egypt, do you remember how many were with them? Twelve tribes, 70 people. That's it. That's, that, that's really not a lot compared to what came out of Egypt, right? A million plus came out of Egypt. And so God allowed these 70 people to be taken into Egypt and taken into captivity. There was a blessed protection here that nobody seems to understand or look at. Seventy people living in pagan Canaan could have easily been overcome, overtaken by the world, whereby they would be mixing with the world and thereby they would lose their identity as the people of God. So God put them in Egypt who despised shepherds. So we're not going to interact with you, have nothing, because we just don't like, you stink. You getting this point? And for 400 years, they are populating greatly. 70 people went in. Divine protection from Almighty God that they would not be taken into the world and losing their identity, their uniqueness. 
They're in captivity, bondage, reproducing like rabbits. And they come out. They are a mighty number. Now, I I will agree with you. I don't have 400 years to see this process through. But God's timetable is not my timetable. And so God sometimes brings protection to us that we don't even recognize until the next generation. You getting it? So you've got the blessing of protection that came because of the valley. Then you've got the blessing of providence. God was at work behind the scenes. Hear me. God is always at work. He is never static. He is never on a break. He is never too busy to to heed when you are calling out to Him. But He is always working. We may not see what He's doing. We may not understand what He's doing. But God is working. And hear me. The first time David heard this Philistine say what he said. He said, I'll go. And then he took that mammoth sword. And I believe he grabbed him by the hair of his head and whack. And then what did he do? What a mighty God we serve. What do you think he did? Oh, nothing. No, he's excited. Why? Because the giant got killed. And David now is a giant slayer. And God used him to be the king of his people eventually. But here he had started where? In a valley. Right now, you're in a valley of decision. What am I going to do, preacher? I know what the Word of God has just been told in my heart. I know what God has quickened me. God has showed me I am lost. My name's on the church row. I've been baptized. God has shown me I am lost. Now you're dealing with your pride. And pride has damned many a man to hell, many a woman to hell. You obey God. You put aside your pride and you find this altar on your face, on your knees, and you cry out to the God of all grace and mercy, and He will extend it to you, and He will save you. And guys, hear me. Grace is transformational. Grace changes people. It's not that I turn over a new leaf and I stop this and start doing it. Grace changes you. Grace works. Grace moves inside your life. He said, Here I am, preacher. I'm in a valley. I don't like the way it's going. Are you wanting relief from pressure or are you wanting God's will be done? That's a big question. Because there's times I've just wanted relief from pressure. And, and, I, and until you get to the place and I'm at the place where I say, God, whatever your will, I really... Until you get there, you ain't going to get no help from Jesus. Because Jesus is not here just to give you a warm fuzzy and send you back out into a world of sin. And you just go back to living like you used to live. He's here to change us. And sometimes he changes the circumstance, the situation, by first starting to change us, right? And sometimes he don't calm the storm but he calms me in the storm right anybody going through a valley there is a significance of valleys there's blessings there's battles there's a water hole in that valley and in that water hole you'll get 
all you need to go forward in faith and obey God. Bow your head and close your eyes.